Okay. Uh, what is this? February 19th. Yeah, nailed it. 2024. Uh, Countdown to March Madness number three. Uh, college basketball show is basically what this is. I mean, the March Madness element doesn't even really come into play until March. So we kind of just mess around and do four weeks for no reason, I would say, honestly. But uh, either way, you know, it's good to get the thoughts out there and the, uh, you know, particular feelings on certain teams around the country. And that's exactly where we'll begin today, which is I think we need to have a conversation about Kansas because it's weird that Kansas, the game that everybody wants to reference right now with Kansas is what happened last Monday. And it's just been so long, but I still feel like we need to discuss that. Uh, So they go on the road without Kevin McCuller. And, you know, Kevin McCuller is probably what, a top five player in the Big 12, maybe top 10 player in the country. I mean – yeah, and this is already a Kansas team that lacks some depth. Um, and they go out, and this is about as bad of a loss against a non-elite team. Like, Texas Tech is good. They're not elite. And Kansas loses by 29. They score 22 points in the second half. Bill Self gets thrown out. Uh, this was a game that was uh, 37-28 at the half, so it wasn't completely out of reach. But uh, minus 21 in the second half for Kansas – uh, you know, Dickinson has five points on two of 12 shooting, uh, seven rebounds, three assists. Uh, you know, Johnny Furphy, who's kind of been a really, really solid player for them as a freshman. I think Furphy is going to be really good in a couple of years. He had 13 points, seven rebounds. And Nicholas Timberlake, who's been kind of struggling as a transfer, starting to put it together a little bit, at least in this game. He didn't do anything against Oklahoma, but uh, he had, you know, 13 points and three rebounds in that game. But this Kansas team to me is just not elite, you know, and and I think a lot of it is the depth issues, where yeah. where they're bringing like two guys off the bench that are playable when McCullers healthy, which is El Marco Jackson and Timberlake, and then after that it's like I don't know you're relying a lot on you're going to need a lot from Dickinson you're going to need a lot from McCullers you're going to need a lot from Dewan Harris in terms of playmaking facilitating, and then you're going to need KJ Adams and Johnny Furphy to pitch in here and there, and when you have a game where McCullough doesn't play, and then Adams and Dickinson go three three for 22 from the field. Like, you're not going to win those games, especially when Harris has seven points and three assists and turns it over three times. So just like they got punked. I mean, Darion Williams had maybe the best stat line I've seen this season from a player with 30 points on 12 of 12 shooting. Like, that is insane. 11 rebounds, three assists. That's I don't think you're going to find a better game from anybody than that especially against Kansas, who, like I said, I don't think Kansas is elite. I think they're somewhere in that middle of the second tier in the country. Like, they're good. They don't have any depth. They're not special offensively. And defensively, they're fine. And they're in the Big 12 where it's hard. You know, this this team was 14-2 and after beating Oklahoma on January 13th. They're now 20-6. and So it's not the end of the world. Um, But I don't think this team has as high of a ceiling as maybe they should. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, look at the Oklahoma game, they had two points off the bench. Yeah, their depth is definitely a, a problem. So it's like almost non existent. Like, you know, bench yeah. minutes, they're 346th in the country in bench, min- bench minutes percentage. So the average, the D1 average is 31.2% off the bench. Kansas is 22.1%. So the thing they have going for them is that they're big. And they have a lot of experience. Yeah. So, and they have a point guard. You know, Jeff Goodbloom will tell you that point guard plays all that matters, which <laughs> I 
agree that point guard play is extremely important, but I think you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis because you can win a national championship without an elite point guard. Like, it helps to have one, but I would look at UConn last year. Tristan Newton was a good player. Was he an elite point guard? He's elite now. Yeah. I'm not sure he was elite then. And, uh, you know, obviously Baylor had had elite point guard play. Kansas, when they won it, did. Uh, Virginia. I mean, there's a ton of examples. More likely than not, if you want to win a national championship, you're going to need an elite point guard. Kansas has that. But what Kansas doesn't have is a playable bench. Because, like, El Marco Jackson, when McCullers out, he plays 20-plus minutes against uh, Texas Tech, and then he ends up playing four against Oklahoma. So, yeah, I think Kansas right now in the Big 12, I would probably put them fourth. I think Houston, Iowa State, and Baylor are all better. And I know Texas Tech beat them, but I still think Kansas is better than Texas Tech when it's all said and done. But uh, the Big 12 next year is only going to get better with Arizona, and Utah is a decent team. So uh, interesting with Kansas. We'll see. I mean, schedule-wise, they have Texas, BYU, Baylor, Kansas State, Houston. So they probably have two more losses at least in there with at in Waco and and, in Houston. So – We'll see. It should be interesting. Uh, they have a, uh, some nice rest time. They don't play again until Saturday. They play uh, home against Texas. So that should be a good little break for them. And then they get, get back, back yeah. with a game uh, against BYU on Tuesday. But uh, we'll see what happens with Kansas. You always got to trust Bill Self to some degree. But uh, a little eye-opening to lose like that. Uh, let's see. Next up, Chris Holtman is out at Ohio State. We've discussed this many times. Um I mean, it's probably the right move. You, you know, you're looking at a, at a team that's underachieved the last two years and three of the last four. I know they got a two seed in 2021, 20, uh, but they lost in the first round. I would just uh, define that as underachieving. The 2022 team with Malachi Branham got to the second round, lost to Villanova. Villanova eventually got to the uh, the final four, so I'm not going to blame him for that. But overall, yeah, it just didn't work for Holtman. I think he's a very good coach. I think he'll get a good another job. I don't know whether that job will be – does he go lower-end power conference school or does he go high-end mid-major would be the thought there. I mean, you look at his resume before. He had three years at Gardner-Webb that weren't exactly spectacular. He went you know, 6-12 and 12 in the Big South in 2011, 6-12 in the Big South in 2012, and then 11-5 and five in uh, 2013 and 21-13. Didn't make the, the, the tournament, but – Got the Butler job a couple of years later, um, and he ends up making the tournament all three years there. So, you know, and he made the tournament four times at Ohio State. would have been five without COVID. So he did fine. It's just the last two years not good enough. And, uh, you know, not getting to a Sweet 16 in, uh, you know, eight seasons, that'll that'll do it. Uh, so I think it's the right move by Ohio State, though, to, you know, get ahead of things, figure out what you're going to do. And, and the first game without him, they beat Purdue. So, yeah, there you pretty- go. Pretty good. Do you think there's any chance Jake Diebler gets the job? Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I you think Ohio State would want to, you know, make some splash higher, but it, you beat Purdue. <laughs> I think good if, uh, resume builder right there. If he wins a Big Ten tournament, that's his only chance. Yeah, you're probably right there. I mean, you look at what Texas did with Rodney Terry. They got to the Elite Eight. And uh, had a lot of success. So I feel like that's one where you could justify it. He had a lot more time to work with, though. I mean, it's, you know, late February pretty much right now. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they, they also won the Big 12 tournament. So if he wins the Big 10 tournament and then gets the Elite Eight, I think he'll get the job. <laughs> that's, a, that's probably true there. Yeah. But outside of that, I think if you're Ohio State, you go after Greg McDermott. 
you go after uh uh what's his face also as well who am i thinking of oh yeah what's who's the other name that's always mentioned there's another name uh sean miller there we go sean miller uh dusty may you think it's gonna be sean miller right i do but i could be talked out of that pretty easily i would say okay uh mark Titus. with the with the fans so well, just Xavier fans thinking that he's going to be around forever. It's like, come on, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, he would leave for Ohio State. I think in a second. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, yeah, Ohio State beats Purdue. I mean, you look at the numbers in that game. I mean, Purdue is uh, was was kind of flirting with a loss. I would say at some yeah, point. Yeah, they've been. It seems like they've been struggling. So, um, not struggling necessarily, but. Um, yeah, last I would say just if you can find a way to turn Purdue over, you have a better chance to beat them. Is, yeah, is fourteen like turnovers. Yeah, Edie and Smith weren't great. Nine turnovers between the two of them. Uh, I mean, they they were great at you know scoring. You yeah, know, 20, 22 for Edie and made all eight of his free throws. I think every time Zach Edie has ever shot one hundred percent from the free throw line, they've lost the game. Really? Yeah, I think there's some stat there. Let me see if I can find that. But. That's uh, crazy. How important – I mean, Lance Jones is going to be the reason why this team probably gets to a Final Four, right? Yeah. Yeah, He he's a guy that can hit big shots when you need him. Um, I think you have more confidence in him over a Fletcher lawyer right now. So, I don't know. They played Morton a lot, it seemed, def- for defensive purposes. Yeah, 18 but minutes for Morton, 16 for Gillis. He just, he just gives you nothing on the offensive end, it seems like. Yeah, he shot uh he shot 94 threes last year, 27%. He shot 17 this year. <laughs> I mean, I think you were understating how little he gives them offensively. He is yeah, he is seven for thirty from the field this uh, year. He's only averaging like one and a half a game or something. But they had him. I mean, Purdue fans should be thanking the big man upstairs at Lance Jones on this team because Morton was like legitimately trying to score offensively the last two years before this. Yeah. And it, it was more efficient. I mean, he was 44% from two, 27% from three. than the year before that, his second year, he was uh, 51% from two and 44% from three. But now it's just nothing. And he hasn't scored a point since the Rutgers game on January 28th. And he's been playing wow. double-digit minutes in four of those five. So Morton's not giving him much offensively, which he doesn't have to. I mean, they scored – they only scored 69 points this game, but also lawyer, you know, was one of seven from the field with uh, six points. And Lance Jones was 0 of six from inside the three point line, but made three three. So that's big. And then Braden Smith, you know, 0 for two from three only gives you, uh, excuse me, only gives you 12. So, and Gillis didn't make a three. So I think if Gillis, if Gillis and lawyer don't make threes, you probably have trouble on your hands because going into this game, Mason Gillis had made seven threes in the last two games. So the 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 less the fewer threes he makes, I think the more likely they are to lose some of these games. Because Wisconsin didn't make a three; they only won by six. They played well in that game, though. Then he makes three against Indiana and four against Minnesota, and then zero in this game. So yeah, it's the third game since uh, third game in the new year where he has not made a three, but. Purdue, Purdue's going to be fine. I yeah. don't agree with the thing that Purdue's still the best team in the country. I 
never really – I mean, I had them as the best team in the country for the first two months, but I've always thought that it was kind of like a Purdue-UConn together thing. Uh, I think right now UConn's playing much better. Yeah. But I still think at the end of the day, Purdue's going to be right there with them as the two best teams. I agree. Purdue fans are hair on fire. Why does the media hate us after a loss? I, like, calm down. Um, yeah. It'll be okay. It's okay. You drop a couple spots in the AP poll. Nobody really cares about that, um, except for Purdue fans, apparently. So, And there's definitely something to the fact that the, even when the Big Ten's not as great, there's something with the scheduling of the Big East that makes it seem so much easier. Yeah. I think that's what Ant Wright's big point was on Twitter, which I don't fully agree with him that Purdue's better than UConn, and I'm not going to discount UConn, who I think he's, there's an ele- element of trolling there, certainly. Yeah, he was, uh, he was big time trolling. Holy cow! But I mean, UConn destroyed everybody in the tournament last year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, you just look at what UConn's doing. They they beat Marquette by twenty eight. They beat DePaul, who is literally historically awful, by thirty six. Mm-hmm. They covered the spread by almost two touchdowns, and they won by thirty six. I had them winning by sixty five, though, so a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they beat Georgetown, who's also terrible by twenty five. Like being able to play Georgetown and DePaul twice is is a big advantage. Beneficial for sure. They beat a good Butler team by nine. Uh, good is a strong word. They beat a, a scrappy Butler team by nine. They beat a scrappy St. John's team who Rick Pitino hates by thirteen. Uh, they beat Providence by um, nine. They beat Xavier, who's you know mid level. They're fine. They beat them by thirty three. That's the wrong number. They beat them by 43. So they've been destroying teams for the last two months. Since their their loss to Seton Hall on December 20th, they have just been destroying teams. I think that's yeah. why UConn is viewed as number one. And they also won the title last year, so they deserve that as well. Uh, okay, SEC Auburn earlier in the week put up 101 on South Carolina, beat them 101-61, an absolute blowout over a South Carolina team that going in uh, was 21-3. and three. They've now lost two straight. They lost uh, home to LSU. So interesting there for South Carolina, a team that's going to make the tournament, but you know yeah. something to monitor with them. Uh, but I think it says a lot about the inconsistency and maybe what makes people fear believing in Auburn is a game like that. That's what Auburn's been for years, though, right? I mean, that's just – they're not making threes. They, you know, they score 101, they go 12 of 20. They score, you know, 59, they go 4 of 22. So, yeah, I don't know if they've had a game this year where that they've lost where they shot well from three. Right. I think I think the Baylor game, which is the first game of the season, is the only one. They were nine of nineteen. They also lost to App State and shot three for twenty-seven from three. So they're thirty-three point two percent, which isn't exactly elite, but they rely on making them to win. Yeah. Yep. They but are, a lot of the uh, a lot of the point is quick. A lot of the point distribution numbers will tell you, though, that they do score more frequently from two than three, uh, which I think is something to do with the fact that there are some games where they just don't take a lot of threes and they don't make a lot of them. Like uh, when they when they beat Alabama and scored 99, they made five threes. So I think Janai Broom is a big part of why they don't have to kind of stretch it out and take a ton of threes. And I also think there's a lot of matchup stuff that, Bruce Pearl relies on as to how many, you know, how how are we going to approach shooting the three? So yeah. I think what Auburn is is a team that can make a lot of threes if they need to, but then there are some games where if they're not falling, they'll stop shooting them and they won't be able to get as many points 
uh, from inside the three-point line as they need. But I, I honestly have no clue what to think of this uh, this <laughs> Auburn team. I mean, at home, they scored 59 against Kentucky, who defensively was a disaster before this. Yeah. Uh, but back-to-back games for Kentucky allowing 65 or less. So maybe they're starting to figure something out. But I, I, I like this Auburn team a lot, but I can't trust them right now. How many guys do they have on their roster? They had 10 people come off the bench <laughs> against South Carolina. And I know it was a blowout, but holy cow. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of guys on that team. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they got uh you know, they 10 guys play double digit minutes, and then you add one more eleven with Leor Berman playing nine minutes. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Super efficient offensive game there. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, but Jani Broom's one of the best players in the country, I think. Um, so yeah. he's a big part of why they might not – I mean, he can shoot the three, too. I mean, he shoots it, you know, uh, 36%. Yeah, he's, so He's four or five in the South Carolina game. So basically, I don't know what to think about Auburn. Like, they can defend. That's one thing they have going for them. They can yeah. defend. They're fourth in defensive efficiency, so I don't know. I'm curious to see how they approach the tournament, if they'll live and die by the three. Which there's a lot of numbers that tell you they do, but then there's a lot of numbers that tell you they don't. So that's why I just don't know where to land on them. So uh, committee's top sixteen. I didn't even pull this up, so I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> Number one, Purdue. Yeah, which they lost the next day. <laughs> uh, hang on, here we go. Got it. Uh, Midwest Region one seed number one, Purdue. UConn East Region one seed. Uh, Houston South Region 1 seed and Arizona West Region 1 seed. Then your two seeds, 5 through 8, North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, Kansas. Uh, Three seeds, 9 through 12, Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke. And then four seeds, 13 through 16, Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, Wisconsin. And Wisconsin lost after this as well, as did Auburn, as did Purdue, as did uh, Marquette. Uh, let's see who else did Alabama win. I feel like they probably won, right? Yeah, I think so. Is Alabama the best team in the SEC? I mean, a lot of the numbers tell you they are. <laughs> I think they are. That's weird. That snuck up on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really care about the top 16. I know it matters a little bit, but like, I'm not surprised by anything here. Yeah, uh, San Diego State kind of. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to give their resume a once over just to make sure that that's okay, or else I'll complain to the committee. Yeah, I mean, I and I I'm not saying that it's wrong. I I don't think they were even ranked last week in the AP. Well, the AP to, doesn't matter. I know, but I'm just I mean that's what a lot of people look at to kind of. San Diego know. State has yeah, but. five. San Diego State has five quad ones. Zero losses in two, three, or four, uh, and they're 18th in the net. So, yeah, they're, like, hovering. I think it helps them that Michigan State can't be justified as a top 16 seed right now, as well as a couple others. So, yeah, I mean, the Mountain West is really good, so that's another factor here as well. They're top of it, nine and four. So, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's a lot of teams here that I think aren't as good as their resume. Wisconsin being one of them. Yeah. Um, Kansas probably being one of them as well. Like Kansas to me does not seem like a team that's got 11 wins in quad one or two. 
but they do. So that probably says a lot more about how good they've been for so long that you expect a lot more out of them. But one thing that you notice in the top 20 of the net is win your home games. Uh, Houston, Purdue, Arizona, UConn have zero home losses. Uh, Iowa State has zero home losses. Kansas has zero home losses. San Diego State has zero. Dayton has zero. And then everybody else has one or two. So win your home games. Don't be Kentucky. Don't lose four games at Rub Arena. Don't be Clemson. Don't lose four games at home. Don't be like those teams. What about uh, having a better non-conference schedule? Because Iowa State, yeah, yeah, being eleventh, I mean they're a top ten team, but I saw somebody say that Big Ten's going to have trouble getting an extra team in just because of how they scheduled their non-conference. So Iowa State three hundred forty seventh in non-conference schedule. Yeah, Nebraska three forty six. Minnesota 363 or 362. Uh, let's see who else of note. South Carolina 334. Uh, there's a lot of numbers in front of me. I'm, I'm like <laughs> blind. Uh, Texas 291. Yukon 283. But if you look at Yukon, they uh, beat Texas beat North Carolina, beat Gonzaga, lost to Kansas. They just played a lot of really – their first three games were against three of the worst teams in the country. So that'll hurt a little bit. Uh, let's see. Ohio State, who cares, 246. Iowa, 247. Non-conference strength of schedule. Where do you think Illinois is at on that list? I'm coming up to them. Can't be good. 200-ish. 230. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's pretty weak. Number one is who? Strength of schedule? It's got to be yeah. Purdue. Non-conference strength of schedule. It's got to be Purdue. Florida A&M. Really? Florida you. They're 4-19. They played Creighton, Nebraska, Florida, Oregon, Iowa, Iowa State, UCF, South Carolina. Hmm. Purdue is uh, ninth because all the teams in front of them are teams that are 280 or worse on Ken Bomb. Okay. Southern is is third. They're two ten. They lost to or they played TCU, UNLV, Arizona, Illinois, Marquette, Mississippi State. So they're ahead of them. But yeah, Purdue overall, I think, has the hardest. Yeah, Purdue, Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, Alabama, Xavier, Kansas, Marquette, DePaul, Michigan State, Butler are top ten overall adjusted strength of schedule. Hey, we got a comment in this thing. What is going on? <laughs> Yikes. Hinkle, you want me to read it for you? Yeah. I'm sure I don't understand everyone's argument. The Big 12 is so tough. Week non-con wins outside of Kansas. I think that's a good point. Because I don't think the Big 12 is the league that I view as like the toughest overall. Um, I know there's a lot of numbers that would say they have the best teams. But guess what? You know how you beef up your metrics? You destroy teams that you're supposed to destroy. Which is why Houston has an like an like a an unbelievable adjust like their defensive metrics are literally insane. Their first in efficiency eighty six point two, lower the better. Iowa State's third and ninety one. That's like five full. Like that's not even close. So like Houston, Houston's allowed more than sixty points. I think like or more than seventy points. I think like three times this year. Two. I think they've. 
two out of their 25 games, they've allowed 70 or more points. Really? And only one of those was a loss. The other one was a Texas overtime. It happened in back-to-back games. They went the first 21 games of the season without allowing 70 points. So that'll help your numbers, especially when you play Louisiana Monroe and you give up 31 points. Or you play <laughs> Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, you give up 50. Stetson, you give up 48. Towson, you give up 49. Like, it, those, those numbers are some of the best I've ever seen. And a lot of it is because of their non-conference and how they were – I'm not saying Houston's not so good. Skewed, yeah. But that'll help. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the SEC is the league that I would be most afraid to be in if I were, a, like, a mid, mid-level team. Um, but I don't – yeah, the, the Big 12 is good. The Big East is fine, but, like, there's conferences that have bottom feeders to the point where you're like, okay, like – West Virginia is awful. Oklahoma State's awful. But other than that, everybody else has something going for them outside yeah. of those two teams. That's why I think people think the Big 12 is so tough. And the fact that, like, I don't think Iowa State's as good as their numbers or record. I think they're good. I don't think they're as good as some may think. I think Houston's good. They're not as good as their numbers. I think Baylor's good, but defensively there are some issues there. Um, Kansas, like I said, I, I'm not, not in love with that team. They're fine, but. And then Texas Tech, TCU, and BYU are three teams I don't think are going to be as good as uh, many will will view them as. So, yeah, I think I would agree with that. Big 12, I'm not, you know, not saying it's a bad conference, but I think it's something to the fact that people think it's like this huge gauntlet when it's really not exactly like that. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to have a discussion about. I don't feel like doing it, so whatever. Um <laughs> I think this is a pretty easy statement to make. There's never going to be another undefeated team in college basketball. It's never happening. I mean, there's a zero percent chance. Mm. Yeah, uh, we, we don't have an undefeated team right now. Like, if 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 it was ever going to happen, somebody would find. Like, UConn would be twenty six and zero if it was ever going to happen again. I think transfer portal, mid major teams being better. It's, it's never happening again, ever. Maybe it does though. I don't know. I, I would agree with that. I mean, it'd have to be a really good team. Had some close calls over the years, though, you know, 31 a, and 1 Gonzaga. Yeah. With a weak non conferences, or they'd have to come out of it. would have to be like Indiana State or something. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't win a national championship, though. You have That's to true. win a national championship to be undefeated. That's true. I like that, that regular season. My bad. That Gonzaga team. That went thirty-one and one was pretty legit. Yeah, they beat Kansas. West Virginia was good. They beat Iowa. Iowa was top ten that year. They beat Virginia. They beat a good BYU team twice. Uh, they beat Oklahoma, Creighton, USC, UCLA. Lost to Baylor. Like that was a that would have been a worthy undefeated team. And the other one was uh, Kentucky that year, uh, twenty fifteen. Maybe the greatest college basketball team I've ever seen. I think. It was that Kentucky team, 38-1. Just they were doing what Houston was doing to teams. Uh, you know, except they were doing it to Kansas. That Kentucky team gave up 40 points to Kansas. It's pretty good. So yeah, that Kentucky, that Kentucky team right now would be the best team in the country by a mile. Uh they had a 121.3 offensive efficiency and an 84.4 defensive efficiency. That would have been uh, let's see, that would have been the Sixth best offense right now and the best defense. And they had a ton of pros. So, yeah, that team was great. Uh, but it's never happening again. Uh, mid-majors right now, Indiana State and FAU. Been a struggle there. I mean, a bad week 
for uh, for the Sycamores of Indiana State, the 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 oh. house that Larry Bird built. Uh, they're still thirty second in the net. They they have a, a quad two loss and a quad four loss. One and three in, in the quad one. They're twenty one and five, seven and four on the road, which may be an issue down the road. They're thirteen and three in the conference, tied with Drake for first. Uh, they lose to Illinois State by thirteen. That's a bad one, especially at home. That's a bad one. And they yeah. lose at Southern Illinois by five. Um, I think they'll win out the regular season. Their schedule is pretty light to finish. Uh, I mean, do they have to win the tournament? Their tournament to get in now, or you think they can still be in at, at large? I think they have to win the conference tournament. Mm. I don't think you can have a quad four loss and only have one quad one win. Yeah. And be in at large. And that quad one win, I think I want to say it was, uh, Jesus, uh, I don't even know where to find which win that would have been. Uh, Home against Drake? There's no way. It might be. No, that can't be a quad one. That's had to be a road team that's like not that bad. I, I, this is Bradley. Gonna did they play at Bradley? They did. Yeah. When was that? Early December second. Let me check. Let's see here. There's no way, right? No, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Bradley 69th in the net, so that's their quad one. Like, come on. <laughs> I love this Indiana State team, but they. After when this team doesn't make the tournament, that is brutal. Uh, but yeah, they got to win the conference tournament. And they're going to have to get through Drake, who uh, they've split this year. So if yeah. if there is a basketball god, we will have Drake and Indiana State in the uh, Missouri Valley tournament. Like I, sw- I'm gonna be so pissed if like Southeast Missouri or Southern Illinois pick off one of those two early. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad for the sport. I don't care what anybody says. We need one of those two teams, and particularly Robbie Avila and the Sycamores and Larry Bird. Uh, FAU is another team that's just not been as good as people want them to be, but their record is still really good. By people, you mean Illinois fans? Yeah, they're twenty and six. Uh, they're eleven or they're ten and three in the conference. Like I, from a tournament perspective, they're still pretty firmly in, but it's it's not really enjoyable to watch them. Uh, they're 29th in the net. They're two and one in quad one. They have losses in quad three and four. I'm not sure if if they weren't a darling last year and they didn't bring everybody back, would they really be like a seven seed right now? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Metrics favor them though. They do like them. They did beat Arizona. That's a big one. To have that win is really the reason why they're so firmly in right now because. Arizona's lost five games, and uh, two of them were Purdue and FAU. So, but yeah, FAU's fine; they'll get in. Whatever. Uh, Patino, Rick Patino, saying some interesting things after a blown loss against Seton Hall yesterday. How about that? I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, after the game, he said, "Quote." This has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. They've lost eight of ten. Uh, I remember the first countdown to March over the midseason. I was like, this team's probably gonna make the tournament. Uh, they're six and nine in the Big East, fourteen and twelve overall. They're not making it. Still top. They are a higher rated metrics team than uh, Drake or Indiana State, though. How about that? Really? Yeah, forty second. Not bad. It's ahead of a lot of teams. Uh, but yeah, not not great. They they blew a 19 point lead. They lost by six to Seton Hall. 
Big one for Seton Hall. He said, uh, quote, if I w- if I said I was disappointed, that would be the understatement of the year. Our lateral quickness and our toughness is just something I've never witnessed in all my years of coaching. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. And it's really not about losing. Even winning, when I watch the film, I see unathletic plays. I see people that don't handle the ball, that are just interested in taking quick shots. It's been a disappointing year. I mean, number one, Rick, you put the team together. You kicked everybody <laughs> you off the kicked team. kicked everybody off, yeah. AJ Storr's athletic. Yeah, so... Not great. I mean, not great. Can you uh, imagine the backcourt of Curbelo and Store? They'd be electric. <laughs> uh, you get Curbelo to play more than five games in a season, maybe. It turns out if you bring a bunch of guys from mid-major schools and put them in a Big East team, it might not always work. Yeah. Because uh, Jordan Dingle's from Penn. Jan- Denise Jenkins uh, is from Iona. Uh, Chris Ledlam is from Harvard. You brought back Joel Soriano. Uh, Nahima Lean's from UConn. What a mistake he made by leaving UConn. He probably wouldn't have played very much there this year, but still tough one there. Uh, he brought in Glenn Taylor from Oregon State. I mean, it's just not a great roster. That's all there is to it. It's going to take a couple years, though, maybe even more now that he's doing this. Yeah. Either way, it gives you a good quote. I think the other team makes adjustments, and we have to make adjustments to move the basketball and take good shots, but we just lack toughness. We don't. We just don't move our feet on defense. They shot – they shot 37 free throws. Throw out the stats. You see it every game, the amount of free throws they shoot, the amount of free throws we shoot. Look at what Naheem shot on the year. Look at what Chris Ledlam shot on the year. You're a power forward. You played 29 minutes without a free throw. That means you're not offensive rebounding. You're not getting to the line. It's really all the toughness things are why we give up leads. Uh, then he, talk about, he talked about aggressively rebuilding the roster. He said, quote, I had no choice. We just could take who we could get, who was available. We had no choice. I don't think we were going to win the first year anyway, because when you rush like that, you don't see the players. Not a whole lot we can do. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I just got a bunch of guys to come here. I had no clue how they played basketball is what it sounds like he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that trying to give a team a facelift is tough. You yeah. Uh, so you also mentioned Soriano, who is a guy who is about five guys are slow laterally. Uh. Soriano was mentioned by Patino as, as somebody who struggles with that. Uh, Patino also said that St. John's having, quote, shit facilities is not the reason for its defensive woes. <laughs> when asked by a reporter if he had any second thoughts about you taking drinking? the St. When asked by a reporter, a reporter if he had any second thoughts about taking the St. John's job, Patino said no. Quote, it's not St. John's, it's my team. I love it. It's great. <laughs> Seriously, having that back in the Big East is great, even though the Big East yeah. still lacks life because UConn's so much better than everybody. And the fact that the Big East, it just that's the most egregious thing that's ever happened in conference realignment is and maybe that could change soon, obviously, but like not having like Rutgers or Pitt or Syracuse in the Big East, that just sucks. Yeah. Like Creighton is one of the premier teams in the Big East. They're in fucking Omaha. So annoying but I, I can drop F-bombs on here. Who cares? Yeah, I don't. So, Do what yeah. you want. It's your show. I love Patino. I hope they win the Big East tournament. Like, how can you not love that? If you're not a fan of it, if that was Brad Underwood doing that, I think we would be pissed. But <laughs> that's great. I really yeah. hope – I really, really hope Patino makes the tournament, like, this year or next year. They're not making it this year unless they go on a miraculous run and somehow, like, beat UConn and Marquette in back-to-back games, which is not happening. Oh, right. But God, that's great. That's uh, seriously anybody who hates on that is a loser. You, you hating on that? <laughs> no, I'm not hating on it. 
Tell how it is. All right. Well, he's not even taking any blame, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Bractology. Here we go. Bowertology. He's got a new one up. Hopefully, he does this every Monday because it wasn't up last Monday, but it's up today. I don't. I, I don't want to do my own. I mean, we better mess, message that guy. Tell him that they got to be ready by four o'clock central time he's the top five guy and uh, bracketology has been one of the most accurate over the last five years so shout out to him uh okay what do we have here <laughs> purdue arizona yukon houston your one seeds uh of note a couple interesting matchups that i could find uh fun to watch how about a little wisconsin drake 512 game in the east region I would be interesting drake all day Okay. By the way, did you see my Facebook memory that I shared earlier? Uh, no. When Illinois lost in February 2019 to Wisconsin, I quote on my Facebook, I put Wisconsin basketball equals soft. This is before we made the uh, start of the podcast, by the way. Uh, soft, play dirty, get every single call. Also, Illinois owns their best player. We'll get them next year. Illinois is six and zero since I posted that against Wisconsin. You, you You're just welcome. Taking credit for all kinds of stuff today. I mean, it can't stop, won't stop. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> I'm on a heater. Uh, Illinois, UC Irvine, in the South Region, four thirteen matchup. By the way, this has Clemson in the five line against that. That would be phenomenal. Being able to play yeah. Clemson around two. No offense to them, but seriously, that would be great. Uh, just looking at UC Irvine since we do have an Illinois interest here. Uh, they're 19-7, 12-2 in the Big West, 31st in adjusted defensive efficiencies. They are better than Illinois in that number. Uh, Non-conference losses to Utah State by 10. They lost to San Diego State by 1. They lost to New Mexico by 13. So, you know, kind of a tough matchup. But yeah, so everybody said that about Chattanooga, and Illinois played really bad and won. So Terrible. Uh, a couple others of note here. How about a little Colorado State-Gonzaga, 6-11? That is weird. That is very weird. Uh, how about a little Florida-Nebraska action in the 6-11 in the East region? That would be a good time for everybody. Yeah. Here's another one that I would love to watch, and everyone would be like, oh, stupid game. Nobody wants to watch that. Utah State-Grand Canyon, 7-10. That'd be one of those good late Thursday or Friday games. Yeah, that sounds that like a, a stupid one. game. You're right. Okay. You don't know ball. Uh, how about a little, uh, let's see, uh, really, really losing steam here. That's it, huh? Cool. How about the fact that it's a bracket that has Akron and Illinois not playing each other? It has, uh, Creighton, Akron, 413. Sounds like a guy that doesn't go off of, uh, you know, histories. As the only Illinois fan on this podcast, how would you feel about, uh, Houston Marquette? Alabama, Clemson as the teams around Illinois in a bracket. The only one I really hate is Alabama. Alabama might score 120 on Illinois. That would be a problem. <laughs> Other than that, I, I'm okay with it. All right. As a non-Wisconsin fan, but a Big Ten person, yeah. how would you feel about UConn, North Carolina, Iowa State, San Diego State? As one through four in Wisconsin's region, uh, I don't. I would not. I would like that worse. I don't know if Wisconsin would get the fifty points against San Diego State. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That that would be tough. I don't know. Uh, 
as a college basketball fan and a person who picked Dayton and was high on Dayton this year, how would you feel about Arizona, Kansas, Duke, Auburn as one through four in Dayton's region as a five? Uh, I think I'd be okay with that. I mean, talk about an amazing matchup that I completely missed. Dayton McNeese State five twelve. That would be an incredible matchup because Will Wade, that McNeese State team is sick. He's doing like, things, yeah. They are disgusting. I am a big fan of that team, um, especially like watching them against Michigan earlier. There, I was like, Mich- I think I still thought Michigan was kind of good at that point because remember Michigan, uh, when they lost that game to McNeese State, they were six and six. So maybe I'm wrong there. Never mind. But I still thought they were kind of good when they like you know destroyed St. John's and they started three and zero and then just they started three and zero and they're now eight and eighteen so five and seventeen so that's pretty good. But McNeese, I'm telling you, McNeese State is really really good. Like probably the best team in the Southland that I've ever seen. I mean, the Southland is not a good conference, right? This might be the best Southland team ever, honestly. Like. They're 23 and 3, 12 and 1 in the conference. They have the 63rd overall Ken Palm met, uh, metrics, they're fifth in three point shooting. This is the 28th rated conference in the country, according to Ken Palm. And last year's winner that made the tournament was 176th on Ken Palm, Texas and Corpus Christi. And they also had the most conference wins. So it wasn't just a run thing. They were the best team in the conference. And McNeese State this year is 63rd. That's 113 spots better on Ken Palm right now than last year's winner. So the South, this is the best Southland team ever. I am very comfortable saying that. And McNeese, it would be a crime if McNeese somehow lost in the Southland tournament. Like that should be almost to the point where just look at the numbers and the Southland higher up should have the balls to just say, okay, McNeese, you're going. Everybody else, you guys all suck. I mean, think about this. Let's look at the, this is where the, every team in this conference ranks, according to Ken Palm. McNeese State, 63rd. The number two team in the conference, Texas State and Corpus Christi, 186th. Ooh. Lamar, 218th. Nichols State, 278th. Southeastern Louisiana, 271st. Northwestern State, 323rd. Like, this is a conference full of 16 seeds with the best team in the conference being 11 or 12 seed. Yeah. So, like I said, if McNeese State loses, I might not even watch the tournament. I would go that far. No, but uh, that's a that would be a great matchup. I think they would probably destroy Dayton, quite honestly, but that's just me. Uh, Kentucky App State's another one that's interesting. You know, App State beat Auburn. Kentucky just beat Auburn, so interesting there. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I'd be curious to see Texas Tech, Seton Hall, where the profiles that are usually similar between those two schools are different now because Texas Tech has become like a really strong offensive team. They're not quite as good defensively, despite the fact that head coach Grant McCaslin, his first year at Texas Tech, has you know he had a resume or reputation of like North Texas was always really good defensively and kind of that Chris Beard coaching tree type thing. Uh, so it's interesting that Texas Tech is as good as they are offensively. So that would be an interesting matchup if it came to fruition there. Uh, Bowertology, last four buys, Boise State, Nevada, Gonzaga, Nebraska. So Nebraska, better be careful. I'll tell you right now, Nebraska uh, Nebraska is 8-7 and seven in the conference. They are slipping. If they yeah. lose, they have Indiana, Minnesota, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan. So you have to go, I think, 4-1 and one to feel good. And I know they're 18-8, but guess what? They started the year 7-0 and by beating Lindenwood, 358. Florida A&M, 350. Ryder, 256. Stony Brook, 214. Oregon State, 165. Uh, Duquesne, who I was very high on, 
am an idiot for thinking they would win the A10. 106. They've been getting a little bit better, though. They're 15 and 10 now. They were, you know, a nine and eight. They started 0 and 5 in the conference. So a really good pick by me there. Uh, and then they beat Cal State Fullerton 243. So non-conference-wise, their best win is Kansas State. And Kansas State is five and seven in the Big 12 and not yeah, a tournament team. Not good. So I'm just saying, Nebraska. You better be careful. You better go into Bloomington on Wednesday and win. You better protect the home floor, beat Minnesota. You better go into Columbus and win. You better go into Ann Arbor and win. So be careful, Nebraska. Be careful. Uh, last four in, Seton Hall, Texas A&M, Butler, Ole Miss. Uh, first four out, Utah, Indiana State, Cincinnati, Providence. Next four out, Villanova, Pitt, Wake Forest, Colorado. So... Uh, bids by conference, according to Bowertology, uh, Big 12 and SEC 9, Big 10 6, Mountain West 6, Big East 5, ACC 4, American 2, Pac-12 2, West Coast Conference 2. And uh, that's weird because, you know, Pac-12 down to two bids with Utah being a first four out. So it's pretty much just Arizona on the one line. And then uh, – uh, Hold on a second here. Mm-hmm. Holding. Holding. My eyes are not working. Like maybe I there, maybe there's only one. There's two. It says two. It's uh, it's got to be what Washington State? No. Colorado? It's got to be Colorado, right? I'm so lost. My eyes. <laughs> right. I don't know who the hell it is. Who the hell is the second team? Utah first four out. It's got to be Colorado or Washington State. Damn it. What is wrong with me? There it is. Washington State. I missed them. I went over them like 20 times. Washington State nine seed. There you go. I was going to say they're ranked. Yeah. Yeah, some fun matchups could be brewing. There's a lot of good mid-major teams this year. It's always the case, but like now, more than ever, I mean, there's a lot of them that I look at and it's like, damn, these would be tough matchups. Like it's never, this is, it's probably never been harder to be a five seed than it is right now. Yeah. So have fun yeah. with that, folks. Teams that want to be a five seed. I mean, let's, you know, you look at last year's five twelves. Okay. Uh, I believe San Diego State was a five. They beat Charleston. I believe Duke was a five. They beat Oral Roberts. So that's two and zero, oh, but still, you know, not easy matchups. Miami was a five. They beat Drake. Miami Final Four team. And then uh, St. Mary. Okay, so the five seeds went four and zero oh last year. But my point is, those were not easy matchups. <laughs> <laughs> yep, way to prove your point. And the year before that, uh, Houston five seed got to the uh, Elite Eight. Iowa, hey, Iowa 5 seed lost in round one to Richmond. So, ha, 101 in 2022. UConn was a 5 seed lost in round one to New Mexico State. Oh, I'm back. One and two. Where's the other one? Hold, please. St. Mary's a 5 seed lost in round two. Ha. So, the 5 seeds in 2022. Elite eight, round two, round one, round one. Take that. I just drilled my finger on the table. All right. <laughs> Let's do games to watch, uh, which I have not prepared for at all. So, oh, good. Um, Monday, Virginia at Virginia Tech. 
Uh, big game tonight. Iowa State goes to Houston. Yeah, also uh, Kansas State to Texas. You know, Texas needs to keep winning. Texas right now uh, currently projected as a team that makes a tournament get the nine seed. Projected matchup, according to Bowertology, is the East uh, region, Virginia, Texas, and then they play UConn. So have fun with that. Another chance for UConn to destroy somebody. Uh, all right. That's it for Monday. Now we go to Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, Iowa goes to Michigan State. Uh, UConn at Creighton, number one versus 15. Uh, number 11, Baylor goes to number 25, BYU. Uh, number 19, San Diego State goes to Utah State. And Maryland is at Wisconsin. Wisconsin in desperate need for some wins. Also, uh, San Diego State, Utah State, you say that? I did, yeah. Okay, I thought you might have. Uh, <laughs> Butler at Villanova. Uh, Syracuse, at NC State. By the way, NC State, that's an upset pick. It counts. So, nice try. Um, <laughs> That's about it for, for Tuesday. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Duke goes into Miami. Uh, ranked Florida, number 24 now, is at Alabama. Number 16, Dayton, goes to George Mason. Nebraska, like you said, you said it like seven times, how they need to keep winning. They go to Indiana. Terrible. And <laughs> number 22, Colorado State, has to visit the Lobos in New Mexico. I don't know if they're the Lobos or if that's New Mexico State, but there you go. New Mexico is the Lobos, and New Mexico State's the Aggies. Okay, so I was right. So nicely Good done. I didn't listen game. to any of that, so uh, I'll add. That's uh, fine. Go ahead and add, go ahead and say them all again. No, I'll add Bradley at Missouri State. Okay, there you go. Great. Thursday. Thursday. All I got is uh, number twenty-one Washington State goes at Arizona. To Arizona. <laughs> Uh, Ohio State at Minnesota, I guess you know. See yeah, how okay. Ohio State Ohio State looks in second game under. How do you miss SMU at Florida Atlantic? SMU has been. Uh, did you see SMU yesterday? SMU beat Memphis one hundred six to seventy nine yesterday, and yeah, they haven't lost. They literally only do ranked teams unless it's the Big Ten. That's your job to get whatever. Uh, they haven't <laughs> lost. SMU hasn't lost since January twenty eighth. They're ten and three. In the conference, they could very well be a legitimate at-large uh, team. Let me see real quick here. Uh, you... Not here. Nowhere. Nowhere to be found on Bowertology. They're close, though. <laughs> well, they're at least eight out. And Memphis is a fraud. So Memphis is bad. Uh, Drexel at Hofstra, another big one there. Um, yeah, huge game. Grand Canyon at Tarleton State, interesting game. Their little uh, little Bryce Drew against Billy Gillespie matchup in the, uh, the WAC conference. Uh, six in a row, six in a row for Tarleton State. They're eleven and three in the conference. And then Grand Canyon, obviously the gold standard in the conference. They're twenty four and two, fourteen and one in the conference. So big matchup there. The first time these two played, uh, it was a great close game where Grand Canyon won by twenty six. So. <laughs> Be on the lookout for that one on uh, Thursday. Now we go to Friday. And I, I told you, nothing. huge Ivy League doubleheader. I said this Friday's all for you, buddy. Yale at Cornell and Princeton at Harvard. Now, Harvard's not very good this year. 
but Princeton might be the best team in the conference. Nineteen and three, seven and two in the Ivy League. You look at Cornell though, uh, eight and one in the conference, so they're the leader. And then Yale is obviously solid as well, eight and one, tied with them. So uh, Princeton beat Yale on Saturday, so a big matchup there. And you know the Ivy League for the first time in a while could have like three actual contenders for the league championship. It's usually one team, like it's usually Princeton or Yale, I guess. But now you add Cornell into the mix, and we'll see. Should be interesting. Also, you got. Uh, a big matchup between Duquesne and Fordham, um, mm-hmm. 7.30 ESPN2 on Friday, so Saturday. Uh, Saturday, number two, Houston goes to number 11, Baylor. Number 20, South Carolina is at Ole Miss. Uh, North Carolina goes to Virginia. Alabama is at Kentucky. Texas is at Kansas. Texas A&M is at Tennessee. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't feel like it. Good. Sunday, uh, Creighton goes to St. John's and a pissed off Rick Pitino. Uh, Ohio State goes to Michigan State. Xavier goes to Marquette. And again, Minnesota at Nebraska. Purdue at Michigan. Purdue at Michigan, <laughs> yeah. Purdue, Purdue on 120 watch. Game to watch, yeah. Doug McDaniel, though, difference maker. Yeah. All right, yeah, good games. Uh, all right, upset picks of the week. Uh, I went two and one last week. Um, uh, I went zero and three. You want to hear my scores? Uh, definitely. I had Oklahoma at Baylor. Baylor won seventy nine to sixty two. I had Arkansas um, at home against Tennessee. Tennessee won ninety two to sixty three. And I had Marquette over UConn, which was eighty one to fifty three. So good work by me. I'm not sure if I'm ready for a tournament that doesn't feature the must bust and Rick Patino and some of these other guys. That's going to suck. That's true. Um, this week, I I only do teams that are ranked. So I did Washington Washington State over Arizona. I'd probably be an ass kicking. Uh, Virginia over North Carolina. Uh, that should be a game in the you know 40s or 50s. Those are always fun to watch. And then I got Texas over Kansas. Uh, I last week I had Cincinnati over Ohio State, or I Iowa State. Jesus, Cincinnati uh-huh. lost by nine. I had Rutgers over Northwestern. They came back and won. Then I had Ohio State over Purdue. So I'm a Big Ten sharp, well known. Um, two and one. Good stuff. And you told me on this podcast last week that, that was a crazy pick, but uh, it's cool. Yeah, everybody uh, saw it. Uh, you know, all three people that are watching. I might post clip again. That my tweet has like over a thousand views. Wow. It's because you have 1,700 followers. Most of my uh, picks don't. Uh, what about my picks this week? I mean, what are you trying to do here? Nobody cares. Creighton over UConn? You're going to pick something stupid like North pick Creighton over Central UConn. State over. I actually have two Big East and a Big 12. Okay. Creighton, oh, Creighton over UConn. Okay. Okay. Let's get weird. Uh, Kansas State over BYU. Okay. Kansas State's not very good this year. And then uh, give me Xavier over Marquette. So the top two teams in the Big East are going down. Mark it down. Hinkle wants to know there? your uh, most overrated teams in the Big East, SEC, ACC, and Big 12. Uh, Yeah, Big East, I'll go Marquette. Uh, SEC, I will go – I mean, does South Carolina count as overrated? Because they're definitely overrated. Sure. If not, I would say Tennessee, just because people don't talk about Alabama enough. Okay. I really like Tennessee, though. Uh, ACC, I mean, does that even count as a conference? I mean, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> got, like, give, me, give, me, give me North Carolina. Yeah. 
Why okay. not? They're better than Duke, though, probably. And Big 12, uh, Iowa State. I mean, clearly. I mean, what are we doing here? There you go. Iowa State have a chance tonight at Houston. It's always a chance. Quick turnover. This Big East or this Big 12 schedule sucks. Yeah. Like Houston played like midday Saturday. It's bad scheduling. They got to clean that up. But all right, that'll do for us. Super next week, uh, 26th, last one of February, last one before March. Hopefully, it's better than this one. But this one wasn't too bad. It was okay. What's wrong with this one? It's fine. It's just still we have two on for 56 today. minutes. Two hours of podcasting today. It's not easy. People, yeah, hardworking people today. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we'll see everybody next uh, next Monday with more to do and uh, plenty of good games this week. And uh, my upset picks are going to go three now. All right, goodbye. Later.